This is Emma Wilder, and you're listening to Multiple Eargasms with Kaylee Loring. Hopefully, Kaylee will talk about something besides fart jokes and cheese poops this time, though I personally would not put money on that. Fortunately, her guests from the romance audiobook community have more interesting things to discuss, like glitter bombs, and raccoons, and banging, and goats. Why, thank you, Emma Wilder, who is very good with her money. Hello, and welcome to Multiple Eargasms with Kaylee Loring. It's good to be back after a hiatus wherein I wrote another book called Good Vibrations, which is book three in the Brody Brothers series, and it will be out on May 26th. I am so excited about this episode because throughout the beginning of this year, I have been very grateful to have my unbelievably brilliant, talented, successful, and hilarious guest, Pippa Grant, as an author friend. We chat quite regularly on Messenger, and she's been so supportive of me. For instance, every time I tell a fart joke on TikTok, she is right there with me in the comments. And she is just wonderful and delightful to message with and also scary smart. But this was our first time actually talking to each other. And we talked for two hours and could have just kept on talking if she didn't have to stop to make dinner for her family. Because on top of being a hardworking, huge best-selling author, she is also a wife and mom of three. In March this year, USA Today best-selling steamy romantic comedy author Pippa Grant's most recent book, The Last Eligible Billionaire, became the number one book in the entire U.S. Kindle store, and it stayed at number one for ages. It was a huge bestseller, and it's still currently in the top 50 in the U.S. Kindle store at the end of April. The audiobook for that title was narrated by Teddy Hamilton and Virginia Rhodes. If you look up Pippa Grant on Audible now, you will find 28 titles. Some of them are box sets with many top-notch narrators, including Virginia and my friends Emma Wilder, Erin Mallon, and Teddy Hamilton, as well as Jacob Morgan, Jason Clark, and Joe Arden, and many more great narrators, so you should absolutely check them out. If you are a self-published author or aspiring author, and like me, you have followed Pippa's tremendous success, I think you'll be as surprised as I was to learn about her origin story. It's really interesting and inspiring, and uh, this was a long and not exactly a linear conversation, which is probably not surprising if you've listened to this podcast before, but I promise you, you'll learn a lot from her. Pippa is my first non-narrator guest on this podcast, and we talk about audio a bit. You'll also hear from some familiar wonderful voices that I was able to surprise Pippa with. I'm very grateful to them for doing that. So stick around. After the interview, you'll hear a clip from Pippa's bestseller, The Last Eligible Billionaire. And the clip will be introduced to you by another familiar voice who did not record what I wrote for him. But first, here is the one, the only, the queen of the Pippaverse, Pippa Grant. Hi, how are you? Hi, you're there. Were you waiting for me? 
Can you hear me okay? I hear you great. You sound really good. Well, thank you because I spent the last half hour getting ready. And by getting ready, I mean downing the emergency, doing a nasal rinse and prepping tea (laughs) because (laughs) because I'm listening to myself and I'm like, oh, I sound like I have a cold. I don't feel like I have a cold, but I've got like this raspy, raspy hero voice going on. <laughs> do, you, do you usually have a like a sexy raspy whiskey voice? Or no. Is this a, okay. No. <laughs> this is a special feature today. <laughs> well, I mean, very, very appropriate for multiple orgasms because, you know, we love the sexy voices here. A lot Yay. of people work really hard to get that. I, <laughs> And I just randomly caught a virus and got it. This is awesome. Excellent timing. (laughs) Thanks. You're welcome. I aim to please. (laughs) Myself, I I prepped by drinking two and a half liters of water because Connor always complains that I uh, I clear my throat too much. And he's like, do you know what that does to your vocal cords? And he said that I'm... um, dehydrated and so now even when I know I'm gonna have a phone call with him I will just down two liters of water so that I god forbid don't clear my throat right and then you're like don't don't mind me if you if I suddenly go mute for a minute it's just me peeing while we're on the phone yeah well that's the thing so the second half of preparing was me peeing 9,000 times but also, by the way, you know, this will be edited. So if you need to take a break for whatever reason, awesome. including using a neti pot on your nose or <laughs> nasal passages, <laughs> we have time for that. I feel fine. I was okay, just, I good. was leaving a voice message for a friend and I was like, I sound like I don't feel fine. And she was like, dude, what did you do? And I said, I don't know. But I did, I picked one kid up from school already today because the nurse oh. called and was like, Oh no. He says he's just dragging and he's got nasal congestion. And I oh, said, no. Okay, I'll come get him. Like it's the last quarter, like the last half of the last quarter of the school year. If my kids are going to flunk or fail, they will <laughs> 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 themselves up already by now. <laughs> They're done. They don't even have to they show are. up anymore. Mm hmm. Um, it's wait, true. So, I was so like, does that mean gonna- you're not? You don't have the house to yourself like you thought you would? Well, I mean, he's sleeping, so it's essentially the same as having a house to myself. I yeah. Absolutely. It, and um, it's the it's the oldest. He's he's a teenager. He's oh, he is. which okay. is the weirdest thing. That's the weirdest thing to say. I'm like, we, I was yeah, I was almost like I was in my late twenties before we had kids. And the wow. fact that my oldest is a teenager, I still don't feel like I'm old enough. For that, even though I have friends that have kids that are like graduating high school and they're younger than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a friend who has kids who uh, who have graduated college. Like she was older. Oh than my me god! When we became friends, but it's very weird. I mean, no, she I was that was she had two surprise pregnancies. So. <laughs> oh, no. like, oh, super fertile, oh. but um. But it's interesting. It's really cool to um, get to know your kids' friends and watch them grow up. Yes. Kind of along yeah. with them and along with you. And Yep. I enjoy that. And then so. you move and you're like, oh, you yeah. don't exist anymore. No. <laughs> yeah. It's nice knowing you. Yeah, no, I mm-hmm. actually just talked to that 
um, like my best friend in Canada, I just talked to her on the weekend and we hadn't talked since February. So it's basically just every time I finish a book, <laughs> we schedule mm -hmm. a phone call. So I'm the <laughs> worst friend. Are you good at keeping no. in touch with people? Oh my no. gosh, no, yeah. no, I'm the worst. I'm yeah. awful. I'm that person who never calls or texts anyone. Yeah. So when somebody's like, I haven't heard from you in forever. And I'm like, well, you can text me or call me anytime. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I'm like, I I'm know available. myself by now. I'm just I'm like, I am, I'm available. Unless you want to ask me questions that press my boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> you just like have an updated list that you send people. Of <laughs> right. I will. I'm that person who will literally sit in my office and I'll be like, oh, I haven't heard from so-and-so in a while. I should reach out. And then I don't. And then there's one person that I'm always like, I should reach out to my friend, Marianne. And yeah. within two days, I always get a text message from her that's like, hey, I was thinking about you. And I'm like, dude, we are on a wavelength. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you do that? But no, I'm awful. I'm awful at reaching out. It is not one of my strong suits. Well, well, I want to say like I think that our our mutual fans are really excited to know that we're friends, but not not half as excited as I am because you're just <laughs> you're the best author friend and you're very good oh at my gosh. in touch with me. And you're so generous with information oh. and so supportive. And I had admired you from afar for a while, but like, but I'm not the sort of person who reaches out to people ever. And one day mm -hmm. I got a friend request from you on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. And then you messaged yeah. me to say that you love my book, Sleeper. And I you did. Offered, you offered to give me a quote for the book. Like I, I would <laughs> never ask for that. It was just such a wonderful surprise and then we started messaging more last year and I just, yes I think you're so brilliant and now you're a number one best-selling author on oh my god <laughs> well I think you are brilliant and amazing and I can oh. tell you that I tend to I read fiction and I oh. listen to non-fiction yeah but yeah. I have listened to as many Kaylee Loring books as oh, I have okay. listened to shoot cold brain Oh, crap, this was going to be such a good, nice, sweet compliment. And now I'm totally blanking. <laughs> Who is it? Daring greatly. Brene Brown. Brene Brown. Oh my like, God, I love like, Brene Brown. I, like, it's like Kaylee Loring audiobooks and Brene Brown audiobooks. They're like right up there. <laughs> Equal amounts. I love you both. <laughs> um, wow. Well, you can learn a lot more about how to live your life right from Brene Brown and then listen to me for cautionary tales. And for entertainment. Uh, talking vaginas and ovaries, <laughs> which you also have in your books. So it's I not do. like that's anything you, you we both. You know, I remember I was in college one time and I said, my belly is hungry. And some frat dude was like, oh, did it tell you that? And I was oh my like, God. my belly can talk to me. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Literally every single part of me talks to me all the time. I'm just <laughs> happening to share this part with you. Exactly. <laughs> My dudes. knees say we hurt today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My nose is being an asshole today. <laughs> <laughs> so is my throat. <laughs> Take that, nose and throat. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but anyway, so I've been uh, I've been thoroughly enjoying the audiobook of Last Eligible Billionaire, by the way, which oh, I was finally able to you. start um, a couple of days ago. And we'll talk about that more. Mm -hmm. later but i want to ask you do you have any sense of what it is in particular about that book that made it so popular 
It's still so I, popular. <laughs> I have a couple theories. Um, Let's hear them. And honestly, my biggest one, you know, I wrote Begonia as a heroine. Yeah. Because you see so often on social media, or at least I do when I'm wasting time in my groups, um, you see women who say things like, I really just wanted my husband to stick up to me or stick up for me to my mother-in-law, or Mm -hmm. I just didn't feel appreciated. I didn't feel like he saw me. I don't feel respected. Like that's really, that's really what it all boils down to. And it's sad because it's so pervasive, right? You can't walk into a group of women without having someone say something like, you know, my mother-in-law called me fat and like nobody thought it was a thing. And my husband was standing right there and you're like, number one, quit fat shaming. And number two, of course he should have stood up for you. Like how many went like, look at what our bodies go through in pregnancy and then in stress and just the world and how we all hate grumpy heroines because we see too much of ourselves in them. And (laughs) I could go on, but I think that one of the appeals of the last eligible billionaire for people reading all the way through to the end is watching Begonia, who has been in that situation that so many of us relate to. She says, no, no, I deserve more. Mm. And she stands up for herself and she's so bright and so sunshiny. Like I just tried to make her the sunshiniest character ever, um, much as I would love to write a grumpy heroine and I will one day, (laughs) but but she, (laughs) she is, she's just so bright and sunshiny and whatever you throw at her, she's like, I will get back up again. I will keep getting up because I have been through what was the worst. I have been in a relationship where I wasn't appreciated and I wasn't like where I wasn't valued and I'm done with that. And I think between the opening with him walking in on her while she's waxing her bikini line in the Airbnb thinking Mm -hmm. that it's all legit. And he's like, what are you doing here? (laughs) And then her dog is just hilarious. And then all of her spunk and her happiness and her, we can do this. And I, I think it was just that magical combination. And then you put that gorgeous cover that Najla Quamber did on, really great. on it. And I somehow like the blurb apparently worked. <laughs> but all of your Always blurbs impressive. are amazing. And we'll talk about that later too. But so it sounds mm-hmm. like, so it, it really started with the heroine and that idea of wanting to write about it did. a character like that. That's interesting. It did. Yeah. Well, I love, I love knowing that. And I hope, I mean, I don't want to be gross and just talk about the um, the number oneness of it, but it's such a big deal. And I, oh my <laughs> I gosh. hope you're, yeah, and I hope you're okay <laughs> with talking about the fact that, that it's just so interesting to me, that, um, like you told me that you had said to someone last year, I think it was, that your goal was to have mm-hmm. the number one book in the Kindle store one day. Yes. You didn't think it would happen for two or three years. And then it happened like no. half a year later. That's just that's oh so gosh. fascinating to me because I realized like I would never have that as a goal, much less say that out loud. So I think that's <laughs> really, really cool. It's like talk about manifestation, right? Yeah, I, yeah. you know, I've always been like, I will build toward this and I'm okay with reaching for this. And when I, I woke up, um, it hit number one on a Sunday morning. My husband was traveling. Um, my, my oldest is a teenager. He has his own phone. He like, I love this about him. He will rank stock my books. And so he will tell me things. So I woke up this Sunday morning and it was, it was time change weekend. And so I was like, oh, it's like 3 a.m. That's like, that used to be like 5 a.m. So I'm going to get up now. (laughs) 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 It used to be 2 a.m. So I got up at like the equivalent of two o'clock in the morning. And there are all these messages from like my husband, from some author friends. Oh my God, your book's at number two, your book's at number two. And like, 
I sat there and I like, I burst into tears, right? Cause mm-hmm. I like, I hit number four and I burst into tears, like happy tears, happy tears. Yeah, I hit yeah. number three and I burst into happy tears. I hit number two and I burst into happy tears. I looked at what was ahead of me in the charts and I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. This could happen. I could happen. This could happen. This could yeah. happen like today. And within half an hour, I refreshed it, it was sitting at number one. And I just like froze. Because yeah. I didn't expect that. I thought that, you know, I need to grow. You need to grow your audience more. You need to write more books. You need to like it's been it had been eight months since I released a book. I had yeah. zero expectation that, that would happen. And I that think some it of an it event, I think. Yeah. People have been waiting for it for so long. Yeah. And with my husband out of town, I ran upstairs. It was like 3.30 in the morning. And I'm like uh-huh. shaking my teenager. I'm like, look, look, look. And he runs up and he goes, I know, mom, you're number two. And I was like, no, look, look, look. Oh, oh I love that. You can show that. Does he, he, does he read your books? He does not read my okay. books. He can read my books when he is old enough to move out of my house, which is funny because, you know, we talk openly a lot about a lot of things. He even, he sent me the funniest meme this morning. It was something off of, it was a picture off of Reddit about a woman who thought that her teenage son and her teenage son's male friend were having sex Mm -hmm. in her teenage son's room because she was hearing noises. And the whole punchline was that when she confronted him about it later, because she was going to be like, son, I know sex happens. I know you're gay. This is okay. Like, I'm not freaking out about this. I just want to make sure you use a condom. And he's like, mom, we were eating hummus. Have you ever had hummus? (laughs) 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 My kid sends me things like this. And I'm like, you know, I never could have had this conversation with my parents. And it makes me so happy that we have that line of communication open. And I'm sure there's plenty that he's keeping from me as well. But the fact that he's awkward hummus conversation, (laughs) right? I'm like, we're about at that age where his peers are going to be sneak reading my books. (laughs) I'm like, oh, oh, we're just not going to tell anybody until they're all 18. you know how old were you when you started reading romance if I may be nosy well so I read romance when I was like 11 my uh babysitters would Mm -hmm. loan me um their mom's novels and I would Mm -hmm. read like you know the the teeny bopper romances like Sweet Valley Mm -hmm. High and Sweet Mm -hmm. whatever they're all sweet something so I read those um, like as a preteen, and mm-hmm. then uh, and then I didn't read romance until I decided to write <laughs> romance. And <when> I realized <laughs> that like you know my career as a screenwriter mm-hmm. was ending, and so I was like, well, I guess I'm going to do something else. So I'll do this. And so I read like one mm-hmm. and a half contemporary romance novels, and then just jumped right in. <laughs> That's and awesome. So I'm still not so I'm not well versed at all. Like I'm very aware that like every other romance author and every other reader, especially, has read so much more romance than I have. So because um when I was a screenwriter, I would read um like you know, contemporary American fiction, mm-hmm. a lot of men named David and Jonathan kind of thing, <laughs> and uh and thrillers, like because you're always mm-hmm. looking for stuff to adapt. Um, right. And uh and if I was gonna write uh, rom-com I would just I, I would just write it myself but so what about you mm-hmm. have you been reading a lot no okay. so I actually didn't even read Sweet Valley High because I was always told that I was too young for them oh. so by the time I reached an age where it would have been appropriate in the household that I grew up in for me to read those books um I was in high school and so involved with other things that I wasn't reading as much anymore so yeah. I 
was about to graduate college, I was visiting my husband. Um, we went to different schools, but we were dated long distance. So I was visiting him on spring break right before I graduated. And I was like, oh my God, I don't have to do anything. Like I didn't have to go to a job interview. I didn't have to do homework. I was like, what am I going to do? And so we went to the library. We went to Borders. Do you remember Borders bookstores? Oh, sure. I miss. Yeah, me too. Or maybe it might've even been Walden books. It might've been old enough to have been Walden books. We went in there and I was like, I want something funny. And they were like, here's Janet Ivanovich. And so she only had like four or five Stephanie Plum books out at that point in time. And I just devoured them. And from there, I made the leap from reading. Yeah, I went from Stephanie Plum to Jennifer Cruzy. And that led me to like Linda Howard and on and on and on. And so I got in that way. And so I I totally feel you. I'm like, everybody else has been reading romance novels for so much longer than I have. Like, it almost makes you feel like an imposter sometimes. But I also think that when you honor the core like the core contract with the readers and you give them the happily ever after. I, yeah. I love that we live in a world where we can find our way and tell our stories and bring what we have after studying as much as we have of the genre at this point into everything. So yeah, I think yeah. it's great. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if that's why we both kind of have just a little bit offbeat. <laughs> it could be. Exactly what everyone else we just is don't know any better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think, but the thing is, is like, you get it, like you, mm-hmm. you get it more than I do. I mean, or I'm starting to get it, but I think you got it sooner. You know, my first pen name was an experiment in not getting it. Was it really? That's <laughs> it interesting. I want to talk about that because I know that you first yeah. wrote as Jamie Farrell and what is, and I haven't yes. read any of those books. So what was different about them? Were they not as steamy? They were less steamy and they were told in third person. Okay. Um, and and is that I like the books that you were reading at the time, I'm guessing were more. You know what? I wanted to be Jill Shalvis and Kristen Higgins at the time. And so okay. I was trying to emulate them. It was still funny. Um, I remember I've been, I started querying agents in like 2006, maybe. Really? So like before Kindles even existed. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm what we call a dinosaur. <laughs> Um, I was querying agents and entering Romance Writers of America local chapter contests and going to small chapter conferences, going to RWA National. Um, And in 2012, I was querying the book Southern Fried Blues, which became my first published book. I self-published that after the rejections came in from agents saying, I love this. This is amazing. It's so much fun, but it's not the next Fifty Shades of Grey. like well no because that's like dark and super sexy and this is quirky funny military life humor like sex scenes but not like 50 shades of gray sex scenes and so that basically I waited until I got that this is great I would represent it if the market were different that was the validation I needed to start on my self-publishing career so I had been writing for like Oh gosh, like 10 years, I think. Really? Okay. Before well, I, I published my first book. Yeah. But always romance, always this kind of quirky romance. Yeah. Yeah. And the same brand of humor as the Pippa Grant books or like less so, over the top or? I think it's less over the top. There were a few things that were over the top. Um, I laugh about this. I hope that <laughs> I don't offend anyone when I say this. Um, I wrote a series of books as Jamie Farrell called the Misfit Bride series. And the first book in 
the series. I called it the husband games initially and I changed it because it didn't sell well because nobody wants to read about husbands. They, <laughs> they only want to read about like unattached people, right? Yep. Um, but it was about, you can't describe it in a sentence. You can't even yeah. describe it in two sentences. Like I go on about like, it's this woman in this town that's devoted to love and weddings and she's divorced and she's trying to blah, 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 blah. But the point is um, that book ended up getting a starred review from Publishers Weekly. And I was like, oh, wow. whoa, which is like, that's a big deal, right? It's a huge yeah. deal. And it didn't sell. Wow. <laughs> so I figured out the reason it got a starred review from Publishers Weekly, I think, is because it was just different enough from other romances. But it right, being right. just different enough from other romances is the reason it wouldn't sell to readers because it wasn't what they were looking for. So I joke sometimes with my friends, they'll be like, I got to start Publishers Weekly Review. And I'll be like, that's fantastic. And I'm like, oh, please, 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 please don't be the kiss of death for your sales. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm a terrible person sometimes when I look at things a little, I look at things differently sometimes, but it's still like super cool honor. And I was so, so thrilled to have it. Um, yeah, I think it's fun and amazing. And um, I hope Publishers Weekly doesn't hear this because they have my first not like book that they're looking at right now. <laughs> Be like, forget you, Pippa Grant. I mean, um, there is a but... good chance that they're not listening to this. So <laughs> don't worry about it. There's a really good chance that they're not listening. To this. <laughs> no, I really do think that it's cool, though. I mean, I'm more likely to pick up the starred review books and be like, oh, oh yeah, I wonder what this has. <laughs> like, it makes me super excited. Um, yeah. So I'm not ragging on it. I'm just being like, this is an interesting thing I've noticed. <laughs> well, but that's so, but you're saying that at the time that that was published, pe mm -hmm. everybody was looking for a Fifty Shades of Grey type thing. They right? were. Like, including they were. readers. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But I, I think the big difference between my Pippa books and my Jamie books are that when I launched as Pippa, I felt like I had nothing left to lose. Like my, my sales were not where I wanted them to be. I was not excited about the books I was writing anymore. Mm -hmm. I was putting 40, 50, 60 hours a week into this job that yeah. was producing very little income. And that was all this time that I was taking away from my family and yeah. from hobbies. And, and I was like, this is not how I want my life to be. And so I wrote the first Pippa book, just basically like, you know what? I don't know if anybody will read this or not, but I I know that I want to tell stories that people will want to read. And yeah. like the whole idea of tropes clicked and conflict clicked and forgiving myself for making mistakes clicked. I mean, I'm such a perfectionist, really? such a perfectionist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a recovering perfectionist, yeah. <laughs> but realizing it was reading Chris Fox's book, Right to Market. The one thing that really stood out to me, the lesson I took away from that series of books was when he said, you know, you can pay for subsequent rounds of editing. You can do developmental edits and line edits and copy edits and proofreads and another proofread. But every subsequent edit that you pay for, they're finding fewer and fewer and fewer mistakes. And right. I write clean in the first place. And I was like, wait, me too wait, it's okay to make mistakes. <laughs> and once you realize it's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that really had an influence on me with Pippa Journey, we're supposed to be talking about audiobooks, And here I go. Do you want me no, to shut no, up? No, no, We're talking about <laughs> okay. everything. All awesome. things Pippa, the entire Pippaverse. Awesome. <laughs> well, the other thing that I learned was that I get better by doing it more. 
And so yeah, by, I used to spend like six months to 18 months to get a book out. And when I wow. started putting pressure on myself to get a book out every like six weeks, instead, I had to write so much faster and the act of writing faster just honed my brain better until I went into burnout. But that's another story. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's why you recognized it in me. Which I, I appreciate so much because you, you know, I knew how I felt, but you gave mm -hmm. me a word to identify yeah. what it was. Oh, and I think so many of us have burnout. I've got a little bit of life burnout going on right now and I'm aware of it. And so I'm just being kind to myself and like, okay, if I don't write today, that is okay. Because I, I knew that since we were moving, this would come and I prepared for it. And I already have two more books ready to go this year. This is okay. This it's, is okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, a lot of people would retire at this point after how long your book has been at number one. You could live, you could retire and live a nice long life in Mexico. We could. Oh, yeah. And that's been really, really nice. Um, my husband's retiring from the military in another, I guess, couple months here is his official retirement date, but he's basically yeah. done with work. Um, yeah. And we're moving across country. We're leaving Ohio and going out to the Rocky Mountains to live out our dreams. And so everything's just in flux right now, but it's so exciting. And having the book hit number one was just the cherry on top yeah. of all of it, of yeah. all of it. Yeah. So yeah, it's a big year for you. <laughs> <laughs> it has exceeded all of my wildest expectations. Yeah. But and I mean, you I've work had... so hard for it. Yeah, like, I've had really. a few a few moments of like just sitting in my office, like starting to tear up because I launched my Pippa Grant pen name about five months after we moved to Ohio. So oh, wow. all of this has happened in oh, one place and we, yeah, That's it's, amazing. it is, it's blown my mind to come from like, I had friends who thought that I was never going to write again when we landed in Ohio um, okay. because I was just so tired and so burnt out. And mm -hmm. I spent that summer just reading books and hanging out with my kids and then I got really mad one day in August and I started writing Mr. McCotty and the rest is history, you know, it, it really it'll is. be almost. That's mm -hmm. so funny because I assumed that by the time you wrote Mr. McCotty, you knew what you were doing. Like you knew about branding <laughs> and newsletters and series and strong tropes and creating a world because I mean, you kind of did I, all that, but did you do it without realizing it? I did it very intentionally with Pippa because I recognized that it okay. was everything I had done wrong with my Jamie books. Okay. So, so like my newsletter. Wait, did you wait until you were like, okay, I think now I'm ready. Now I'm ready to launch Pippa. No, it was okay. all like flying by the seat of my pants. Okay. I had every intention of taking some time um, and writing three or four books in a series. Um, my girl band series was supposed to be what I was going to write, starting with Mr. McCotty, yeah. going into Stud in the Stacks, which had an, a different plot, and Rockaway Bride, which was supposed to be a stepbrother book, which I don't oh. actually think I could have written, um, because it's not my cup of tea, but I was trying to write to market. So, like, right. it's somebody's jam. It's not mine, but, like, right. clearly somebody loves it. And I was going to try to hit that, and I had someone say, don't do that. And I was like, okay, so I, I – <laughs> rejiggered everything oh. <laughs> but then when mr mccotty came out everybody started asking about the heroine's twin hockey playing brothers and i was yeah. like well i can pivot i'm so yeah. good at pivoting and yeah. so you have to be okay my thrusters pivoting. hockey series was born yeah 
like totally just going on the fly off of so, what other but did people you jump wanted. around then did you release oh yeah because okay. <laughs> i feel bad that i do that but it's uh it's a thing you kind of have to don't feel bad my motto is don't feel bad it's one okay. of my mottos i have like 75 <laughs> mottos don't feel bad pippa That's says you do not have to feel bad you're the next brene brown you know, we really put um, such high expectations on ourselves. Oh my God, it's exhausting. I had this epiphany earlier today. I was like, oh my gosh, the reason people don't like grumpy heroines is because the reader wants to associate so much with the female character and they don't like themselves when they're grumpy. Uh, and so we need to normalize that it's okay to have feelings and be grumpy. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I um, I actually wrote like that one of the epilogues in Good Vibrations that I just wrote, she gets grumpy for a really, really good reason that mm -hmm. I think is very understandable and it was mm -hmm. it was so much fun to write <laughs> I I feel like you have to sort of like ease readers into it I suppose I don't know you do or make you sure do. that make sure that you understand they understand why they're grumpy, right you know yes because there's that fine line between grumpy and bitchy which I don't necessarily right? think people are being bitchy when they're women who are grumpy but a lot right. of people read it that way it's it's oh my gosh my editor and i joke all the time that a dude can like run over your grandmother pull over and kick her dog and they'll be like oh pee on her like, I, yeah i can't i can't wait to see his redemption arc but then if the heroine looks at him wrong in the third chapter they're like she's a bitch i hate yeah. her <laughs> they're yeah. like no no let's be kinder to women let's be kinder to each other and ourselves be kind to ourselves yeah so yeah that so be kind really to yourself. I, I, sh I shall be <laughs> as kind to myself as I am to my characters. <laughs> Uh-oh. That doesn't sound very promising. <laughs> so, Let's talk about glitter Kaylee. bombs. How, oh, I love how glitter much bombs. do glitter bombs figure into your day-to-day -day real life? Because it comes up in more than one of your books, right? It's fascinating that you asked me this today. <laughs> I took my daughter shopping over the weekend. She's in third grade. And mm -hmm. she I was like, can we make it to the end of the school year? And she walked out dressed one morning. And she's in these leggings that are just ripped all to crap all over. They're <laughs> like so ripped. I was like, we cannot make it to the end of the school year. OK, OK, so we went shopping. And she found a sequin dress. She's like, mommy, can I get this? And it was on the clearance rack. And so it's hard to say no to a $7 sequin dress. You yes. know, like I would have died for a sequin dress when I was her age. So yes, you can have the $7 clearance rack sequin dress. This is cool. There are sequins all over my house. <laughs> right <Yeah. now. laughs> um, but no, yeah, glitter bombs don't. Bomb. Otherwise, they don't really factor into my everyday life. Um, I'm have you married ever been to a military bombs? man. I I did do a TikTok where I let my kid pop a balloon full of confetti on okay, me. That's something. But yeah, but I haven't actually been glitter bombed. I feel like I should just so that I can relate to my characters fully. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you've done a very good job of describing how impossible it is to get it out of your hair or any orifice. <laughs> everything on reddit uh, that's true and yeah. <laughs> including that like eating hummus and gay sex yep. sound like the same things yep. um <laughs> yeah no i it's it's a dream to one day witness a glitter bomb i don't know how close i want to actually be to it <laughs> 
They should have like, you know how they have, um, they have those rooms where you can go and just like throw plates, like <gasps> plates, but like there what? should be like a thing. Do you not know about this? There's somebody. No. Who, yeah. You can just. It, I don't I don't know what they're called. I'm going to call it like a rage room where you literally yeah. just pay money to go in and throw plates at a wall. Oh my god, Kelly, now we're going to write we are going to write a story about a grumpy heroine who runs yeah. a rage room. Yeah. <laughs> the Rage Against the Washing Machine series. Yeah. For um, real. <laughs> but so like there should be another business where you can like it's like like at, at Ikea or those places where they have the rooms for the kids that are filled with the balls, which you actually yeah. made that into one of your books. I did. Um, but there should be <laughs> one where like you can like watch somebody go in there and be glitter bombed and like, you know, be on the yeah. other side of a protective window <laughs> and not be touched. Like you just like send someone in there or you can choose to go in there yourself and then they well, and then have somebody there who will professionally remove all of the glitter from your body. I think we need this for science because <laughs> if you can actually get all the glitter removed from your body there, that would be the answer to how to get the glitter out of your house. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> we all just it's like it'll be like Starbucks, but for glitter bombs. <laughs> place in our lives that place to go yeah yeah it's hard because i don't want to put a glitter bomb in every book because then people think you're getting lazy but also <laughs> well, glitter bombs are them. really funny <laughs> they are they're funny i mean you are you a prankster at all i think i am like i am such a responsible person <laughs> that i, I and a perfectionist. You don't want and a perfectionist. You don't want the prank to go wrong. <laughs> right. That's exactly what it is. I'm like, I mean, I'm I love one-liners and zingers yeah. that are just funny. But as far as actually like pulling pranks, like I don't like April Fool's Day. Oh, God. <laughs> um, Pass. <laughs> but it's a thing, and I get that that's a thing. Oh no, yeah. did you just hear my email go off? No, I didn't because I was, it Good. probably happened while I was clearing my throat and I just want to <laughs> apologize to everyone that I, I will did not that. tell Connor. <laughs> he just, I don't know, he criticizes me for everything just in general anyways. So I'm sure. He Do I need to tell him way. to be kind to Kaylee? Yes. <laughs> yes, you do. I'm like, Connor, let's talk. <laughs> oh, yeah. We women are hard enough on ourselves. Saying yes. it once was plenty. Exactly. <laughs> you may repeat yourself in six weeks and no sooner. Okay, yeah. I'll just I'll just do up a schedule for him. <laughs> like, this is your day. That's another business. It'll just be like, okay, this is your day <laughs> to criticize right. Kaylee. Everyone. Your all, everyone too. in Kayleyville. It's like this is the day to yep. tell me that I'm an asshole. <laughs> book which is literally what we have to do <laughs> it's like our job yeah yeah okay so there's so much that i want to talk to you about and we're going to but let's get into audiobooks okay. and and some yeah. fan questions for a little bit but there are some really mm -hmm. there's some really great questions before i do that i have a couple of surprise voice messages for you oh my gosh and we're gonna no way. listen to this one first okay here we go pippa grant you beautiful talented, hilarious soul. This is Virginia Rose. Can we talk about how much I love you? 
like fell in love with you from our very first project together, which was Hosed, co-written with Lily Valente. I have never laughed so hard in my life. When you have your heroine ride in on a motorcycle with dildo handlebars to put out a lube fire at a dildo factory, I mean, I knew we were kindred spirits. I just knew it. And then every other project that we have worked on together has been an absolute delight. I have to stop multiple times during recording to stop from laughing. You just have me rolling on the floor. But you also have really great steamy scenes. I'm thinking of one in particular from Real Fake Love, where they're in the bathroom, and it starts out real steamy and then gets really hilarious and then goes back to steamy, and it's just, it's my kind of romance. And not only do you make me laugh, you also challenge me as a narrator when you give me something like Beauty and the Beefcake, where the heroine is a ventriloquist and has to do all these different voices of all these different characters. It was such a great growth edge and also, again, rolling on the floor. But you also infuse your stories with not just laughter and steam, but vulnerability and these beautiful characters that just blossom and open up and feel so real, and I just connect with them so deeply. So your books are just, you know how much I love them. You know. And I love you. And I can't wait for the time when we can gather and have a cocktail in person for real. But until then, I hope you have a beautiful, joyful day full of romance, steam, and laughter. XOXO, Virginia Rose. How about that? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I think I'm crying. Laughter. Oh my gosh. Can I tell you how much I adore Virginia Rose? Yeah. She is like one of the best people ever yeah. in the whole entire universe. I do. I adore her with all of my being. And now I have to go visit her. <laughs> yeah. She's just it amazing. Like, it sounds like she you is so amazing. We do. We do. We're going to go have a love fest, a Pippa Virginia love fest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, also this. Well, 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 I personally have been quite taken with the works of Pippa Grant. Um, My favorites include The Last Eligible Billionaire, Crazy for Loving You, and The Hero and the Hacktivist. Those are my top three favorites. I would like to read a section from one of her books that really meant a lot to me. And it goes something like this. I have a secret library full of all their books, though I prefer to listen on audiobook because I can do that on a plane, or in the car, or in the shower, or while I'm pretending to be on a conference call when my grandmother pays her weekly visits to my office. Also related, my grandmother thinks I'm working on a deal in Monaco with a man named Salvio who's having personal problems. But that's actually part of the one author's long-running series that I cannot get enough of. Plus, Teddy Hamilton narrates the books and his voice is to die for. I just want to say that blew my mind, Pippa, when I saw that. I got a call from Virginia, who was my co-narrator on that, and she said, you need to see what's in this book. Um, it was a moment when I realized, holy shit, I've made it. And you gave me that feeling, Pippa, so I very much appreciate it. Um... It's wonderful to work with you whenever I get the chance to read your words, Pippa. Um, Congratulations on all of your success. And uh, thank you, Kaylee, for letting me pop in and say hi. That is so cute. That is so sweet. Stop it. 
Oh, I and love Teddy Hamilton too. Yep. I got to meet him in person at Indies yeah. and Bay Philly last November. And that was so, so cool. So yeah. cool. I was so excited. Um, and then you and I teamed up against him talking about farts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, they could not have been surprised that, that was going to happen. They should you, have blocked us. <laughs> you let us into your group and right? at some point there's going to be fart and wild animal talk. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Oh, writing, writing narrators into my books when I know that they are going to be narrating the books. Yeah. It, it gives me so much joy. And I'm like, is this a dork moment? Am I being a dork? Yes. Am I being a are. total dork? And I, like, I am, but also like, I got to talk to Teddy about that in person in November at Indies yeah. in Bay Philly. And I was like, I felt like such a dork. And he was like, no, that was awesome. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. sweet. Because narrators are like, they're rock stars to me. They're like celebrities. They can yeah, do so things. People. Yep. Yeah, they can do things that I could never, ever, ever, ever do. Like, yeah. and not just talking. I mean, they, they legitimately bring the stories to life. It's amazing. Yes, they do. They're my superheroes. Yeah, no, they do. They do a lot. It's a real, real art. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of technique involved. And there's also like the technical aspect of it, you know, most actors yes. don't have to worry about, but they just, um, yeah, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was to just um, shed light upon how, I mean, it's, it's really not, it's a difficult mm-hmm. job. And just, I mean, writing is too, but, right. you know, they're doing the, the mirror you know, mm-hmm. the mirror opposite kind of of what, what they are they are they are amazing and like virginia said i gave her a ventriloquist yeah. <laughs> so many voices and they can they can present them in ways that you you keep everybody separate and you know what's going on and yeah. i i am so in awe of their talent they are yeah. amazing i love that she said that you challenge her because like i do that too because like I, I always mm-hmm. challenge myself but i i yes. also extend that to my the narrators, because I know, mm-hmm. I know that they can handle it. Like, you know, we're mm-hmm. only casting narrators that we know are really mm-hmm. talented and we exactly to them and we know what they're capable of. But like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I always throw accents their way and singing, I, even if I don't necessarily yes. know that they can sing. But now I and know drunk it. singing. Oh drunk my gosh, singing. throwing drunk singing is my favorite. Talk about an art form. <laughs> my favorite thing to write yeah. and hearing it come to life with their voices it's just like yeah oh, you did that with Jacob so Morgan, amazing right yes yeah I've done that to Jacob Morgan a time or two <laughs> yeah you did it to him <laughs> we don't do it for them we do it to them right that's the thing um so what were your first audiobooks did you do the Jamie Farrell books on audio after the Pippa books or did those come First. Those came first. Oh, they did. Um, yeah, and I probably would have done the Pippa audiobooks sooner, but I, I did not have the audience that I needed to really do justice to the Jamie Farrell audiobooks. So, mm-hmm. like, I had a great experience working with the narrator, working with Karen White. Like, yeah. she's just amazing too. Yeah. I adore her. Yeah. Um, but I did not have the audience to carry the sales for the audiobooks. And so it was like business wise, it was not my smartest move, which was hard because I did adore you Karen. I adore what she did. Those I did. did you, oh, you did. Oh, okay. I did. Wow. I self published those. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was staying away from audiobooks as I got into the Pippa 
um, world because I wasn't sure if it would work or not. And I like, I love being in a position now where I can give readers the option to choose between reading it in print, yeah. reading it in ebook, listening to it in audio. I mean, yeah. I don't think I'll ever be at a point where I'm like, yes, I will just produce my own movies. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, people are always like, well, I don't know if I want to see it in the movie because you always ruin it if you take it to the stage. Like that's not how I pictured that character. So, but I did, I was talked into doing audio and it turned out to be such a good thing. Well, it was working with Lily Valente was that's the first what I was time gonna I asked. Did she, yeah. she made it more, uh, yeah. More she nudged me in that direction. Okay. Yeah. When we were doing the co-written books because she had done well. And so honestly, I think sometimes I wonder, if that was a springboard and her audience came over to my solo books after we did oh, our I'm joint sure. projects. I'm sure. So mm -hmm. came well, to record. But I would love to know like about that writing, the co-authorship, like how, oh, yeah. how did you guys get together and technically how do you work together? <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so my second full length Pippa book was a book called Stud in the Stacks. Yeah. And it was about a male librarian who loves romance novels. And in the book, he name drops all of these romance novels that I have read and loved or that my friends have written and that I know are good books um, that I hadn't gotten to yet. And one of the books that he name dropped was one of Lily's books. Oh. If he didn't name drop it, I mentioned her in an interview around the time of that. Oh. And she saw it and she pinged me and she's like, because I had, I had read, was it Hot as Puck was her first hockey book in her hockey series, I think. Okay. I had read that and it was super fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, and so I gave her a shout out at some point or it was in the book. I can't remember now. Now I feel old. Um, but. You've just she written so many me. books is the thing. That, that's part of it too. <laughs> you know, you get that question, how many books have you published? And you're like, I, I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I lost count after 20. I'm sorry. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me anymore. It should. Like, it's a nice number to know. I don't know. Um, anyway, she reached out and she was like, you know, I love your voice. I think we're really compatible. Would you like to do a group project sometime? And so we started talking and eventually I was like, well, yeah but what are we going to write about? You know, and we brainstormed, we brainstormed back and forth. And <laughs> when we settled on a sex toy factory that a virgin coder has to run in a small town in Georgia, <laughs> we're like, yeah, let's do it. Like, at, you know, at that point, at that point, um, this was early 29, this is probably mid 2018 that we were having the discussions because okay. Hosed came out in January of 2019. I was like, yeah. what do I have to lose? Like, what do we legitimately have to lose if we try this? We try it and it doesn't work. Okay. We try it and it does work. That's awesome. And then there's like yeah. more fun that we can have. And so we will plan out the basic plot. I plot more with Lily than I do when I'm on my own, which is, which is good because I can jump around a lot. I have been known to write 20,000 words in a manuscript, realize I'm going in the wrong direction and just throw those words away and start yeah. over. And that stinks, but it's also like part of my learning process. Yep. It will never stop learning. I will always keep learning more about how I work and it will keep shifting like what my interests are. So that's fine. Yeah, sure. But we basically, I am a morning writer and she is uh -huh. a more flexible writer. So when we're 
writing together, I'll get up and I'll write a scene or two in the morning and then send it to her. And then she'll edit her voice in in the afternoon and add more scenes and then send it back to me. And the next time it's my shift, I will log in and like edit her words to add my voice in and then we continue. So we both write both parts of it. We just revise to add in the flavor of each other or our own flavor into the other person's words. Do you use Google Docs? We use Word. You do. We use Word and track changes. Yeah. We could use Google Docs. That is a valid form, but um, we've just used Word. Um, yeah, honestly, I uh, I use Word and <laughs> Connor likes to write directly on Google Docs. So I then have mm-hmm. to upload it to Google Docs and it completely so that he can make comments and stuff. And uh, uh, yeah. it completely fucks up the formatting. It's so, oh, it's no. so annoying. And then, I, and then I have to like, download everything from Google Docs back into Word for you know, all the other people who have to read it. And so it's it's a yep. nightmare. And it's probably it probably doesn't have to be that confusing and difficult. It just feels really confusing and difficult. <laughs> but that, you know, the way you're doing it sounds good, too. Do you um, so you talk everything through first and mm-hmm. then you how do you write the outlines? Does one of you outline and then you add to it or you both write something we it's been a while since we did it we last did it for a novella last fall um but we'll have a a phone call and we'll just talk it all out and then Mm -hmm. we'll share a document back and forth until we've got enough to get started and then usually it'll be at least half the book and we'll know what we're lacking in later on or as we're writing one of us will be like I really felt like we needed this extra scene here in order to make this leap into the next scene and it just, it works really well. Yeah. It's a different type of writing. I like doing it. It challenges my brain to think in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's that thing where you're like, oh, I'm going to learn and I'm going to study and I'm going to figure out how to make this process work for me. That challenging yourself thing. I think that's, that's been really good. Yeah. Um, did you have an idea of how many books you would do in this series to begin with? Like, you have we definitely, book? yeah, we planned on four brothers and four books for the Happy Cat series. Mm-hmm. And we went beyond that, right? We have done four books and then oh. we did a novella. So the heroine in the first book, her sister owned the sex toy factory, but got divorced and was like, fuck this all, I'm out. And so she up and left and went to England because she always wanted to. And that left our heroine being like, okay, I'll run your life for a while. And it was just super fun. But everybody wanted the sister story. Yeah. All they knew was that she was nannying for a British dude. And yeah. if that's not a setup for a romance novel. And a setup <laughs> for Shane East. <laughs> right? <Yeah>. Yes. Um, <laughs> I met Shane at Indies Invade Philly too. And he was so, so nice. Funny. I yeah. just, that's like yeah. the thing that I don't think people really expect is he's absolutely hilarious. I mean, I don't know if he was when he was at the signing. But I didn't get to talk to him enough. Yeah. Next time I'm going to be like, Kaylee Loring says you're funny. Say he's something hilarious. funny. Well, and he's just listen to, <laughs> listen to the interview I did with him. He's fucking okay. hilarious. But um, okay, so let's, he also says fuck a lot. So again, I feel like. Uh, I feel like in America, we don't utilize the fuck word as much as they do in other parts of the world. Yeah, they just do it better. I mean, everything. One of my assistants is from Australia and she's like, I don't understand why people are sensitive about the word fuck. She's like, I like eat that for breakfast. (laughs) And in 
Ireland, there's fuck and feck. There's like different degrees of fuck. Right. It's genius. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so fan stuff. So Trish Cloud was so funny. She was like so excited that her two favorite rom-com authors would be talking to each other that she just fangirled and she got awkward and she couldn't think of any questions. And then Emily Scroggins today says hi. She adores you and she met you at Indie too. Okay, so I just want to read what Shaz Galvez, I hope I'm saying that right. She wrote in, she's in Australia where you're very popular now. (gasps) Yay! Oh Um, my goodness, I love Australia. Yeah. (laughs) They're the uh, best. And she and her husband, Rod, go on road trips regularly Mm. and they listen to audiobooks on on their road trips. And she thanked me for introducing her to your books. She said that after I posted something about you, she, um, she purchased the Copy Valley Thrusters three pack in Audible and within a couple Mm -hmm. of chapters of Mr. McHotty, uh, she went, or you went straight onto their coveted road trip audiobook lists, which, uh, Oh, that's awesome. Which was, she said that, which was mostly your books, by the way, she had it, which is very sweet of her. And she wanted you to know that the pilot in the pucket made her laugh so hard. She cried. And, uh, and she just wanted you to know that she loves your work and she's, uh, there's been many a snort laugh whilst listening to your books, <laughs> which I'm sure you hear all the time. That is my favorite um, thing to yeah. hear. Like people who tell me stories about how, well, I was laughing so hard in my apartment that my neighbor started banging on the wall. Like I love those. <laughs> I love those. I'm like, how yeah. much joy is there out in the world now? Yes. I know. <laughs> I know. But I'm happen. like. I'm so envious because I mean, I think we're, you know, we're both genuinely funny and we have a similar sensibility, but I think Mm -hmm. that you write funny in so much more of a widely appealing way. And are you aware of that? Like, do you consciously make choices about whether or not you think something's gonna be like, that's just your sense of humor? Oh my gosh. It's so funny you say that because I feel like I miss the mark so often and that there are other people who are funnier than me. You're wrong. (laughs) Total silence. <laughs> you're wrong. Oh, I was rehydrating, but I just, you're just dead wrong. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's that thing. I'm like, I, I just, I'm so weird. Like people have to like, I do. I always feel like I'm that outsider. That one who like makes that joke at recess that everybody looks at you like, what are you smoking weirdo? You know, yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't feel like it's, I'm mainstream funny. So the last the eligible right billionaire still feels like a fluke (laughs) well i mean maybe i mean they're outliers right that's the Mm -hmm. thing about these amazing successes but okay so angie loves audio wants to know do you ever Mm -hmm. write characters with a particular narrator in mind and if so have you ever pushed a production to be able to get a specific narrator i don't tend to write with narrators in mind i I'm very, like lately, I'm like a diva when it comes to my writing process anymore. I'm like, well, that book's not speaking to me, so I can't write it right now. So I'm going to have to figure out what book is speaking to me. So I jump around a lot. And so I'm often up to deadlines at the very last minute. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It causes stress though. We had, I released the hot mess, the heartthrob um, about two and a half weeks after I finished writing it. And my poor team was so stressed. They were like, please do not ever do this to us again. That's, <laughs> it's that's like, okay. life for me all the time. Yeah, like, I promise, life. I promise I won't. Um, I did push back. So I pushed back the publication date on the last eligible billionaire because mm-hmm. I wanted 
like I will, I tend to pick my female narrators first. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm that weirdo who will talk to the ladies, but I won't talk to the guys. That's so funny <laughs> to me. I remember you told me that you're like, you've read my sex scenes. You can't exist in the world. Yeah. I'm like, this I mean, is probably something I should talk to my job. therapist about. <laughs> I like I, nobody re reads or talks more about sex than these male narrators. So right. <laughs> I just oh my gosh. It. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure it's a <laughs> stuff I should talk to my therapist about, <laughs> but no, I will. I'll contact like Virginia Rose or I'll contact one night yeah. stand studios. Um, and I'll be like, I have this thing I'm working on. I think I'm going to finish it on time. So let's talk male narrators who are available. <laughs> okay. And that is unfortunately how it goes, but I did, I pushed back the publication date of the last eligible billionaire so that I could get it simultaneously with the audio. That worked so well. The, the audio came out March 1st, the print book came out March 2nd, and the ebook came out March 3rd. And for not being able to schedule those because we were a little tight, it was just perfect timing. It was yeah, such yeah. perfect timing. Yeah. Okay, wait, I forgot. So Angie also wanted to say, please let me start by saying how much life I get from your stories. Aww. I have met so many amazing people through the Pippaverse and our shared love for your writing and world building. Your stories are truly unique, and I know each time I pick one up, it's going to surprise and delight me and most definitely turn any gray day on its head. Um, sweet. Um, Makes me so happy. Yeah. And the Pippaverse is amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's huge. It's crazy, and I love it. <laughs> I love it. And do you know what's funny? Um, I almost never pop in. I'm in the Pip Squad, a lot less than people think I am. Okay. Um, not because I have someone pretending to be me or anything. Um, it's just more like if it's like you assume that the author is in their group, right? Yeah. And I, I will pop in there and sometimes I just don't have time to go yeah. through as much as I, but you see other people like supporting each other and lifting each other up. And my admins and moderators are just amazing, amazing yeah. people. And they keep everything running and they keep everything kind. And I love them. I love yeah. them all so much. Yeah, yeah, you have really good people in your world. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Um, so anyway, so she wanted to know, are you a pantser or a plotter? And it sounds like I'm mostly <laughs> kind of both. Yeah. So I actually, I write the funniest things when I don't know they're coming. So I can't plot too much or that takes yeah. the joy out of it for me. Yeah. Like I love to laugh when I'm writing. And if I know a joke is coming, it's not funny to me by the time I write it down. If all of a sudden the character just says something and I'm like, oh, dude, that was funny. Like, yeah. I enjoy that. I enjoy that so much. So I try to plot out what like a general sense of like, this is how we need to get from here to there. But then I just let the characters run with it when we're yeah. in the scene and it's all set up for them. So kind of both. So kind of both. That's the same as me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she says, which character has deviated the furthest from the initial framework due to how they develop while writing them? How much leeway do you give your characters to change? Um, she says she feels like your characters would tend to create all sorts of chaos. <laughs> they do. They do. Oh, this is a hard one. I think one of the characters who changed the most was probably Sarah in America's Geek Heart. I have known, I had known that I wanted to write Beck Ryder's story. He's the hero in America's Geek Heart for like three years before the timing finally lined up just right for me to write his story. And the whole backstory to the story 
is that like five years ago, I saw this letter circulate online that was attributed to Joey Fatone. Yes. And it was talking about, do you know the letter I'm talking about? Uh, no, I just, I hear Joey Fatone and I go, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so a boy band, was it One Direction or One Republic? I should know this. Um, Zane left One Direction maybe. Yes. And yes. it was like a big thing, yes. right? And people were like, oh God, now they're going to split up. And this letter circulated online that was supposedly from Joey Fatone. It turned out to be a fake, but that was enough to be inspiration okay. where it was like to the letter or to the remaining members of this boy band, life as you know, what is over. I'm Joey Fatone. I am the second most famous member of NSYNC after Justin Timberlake. Right. Let that sink in. <laughs> I, Joey Fatone, am the second most famous member of NSYNC. Uh, and oh my gosh, it was so, like, had he written it, I would have called it self-deprecating. Yeah. Or the whole thing, talking about how, like, yep, you are no longer on top of the world. Like, yeah. your leader is gone. He will be famous. The rest of you will be left to guest host on The Price is Right and shill uh, hair, hair plugs. <laughs> it was it was like a light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, I have to write boy band 10 years later. Like what happens to all these guys 10 years later? So I knew like Beck Ryder initially started as like a home improvement dude. Right. And then eventually he transformed in my mind until he was an, the former underwear model of the boy band and his heroine, Sarah. I always knew I wanted to call it America's geek heart, but she went through so many transformations. She became like, the daughter of celebrities who's hiding from everyone and who's just a genuinely nice person, but she's probably one of the closer to grumpy heroines that I've written and I adore her, but she did. She changed a lot from the beginning. She's the a single end. mom, right? Am I thinking of, no, I'm thinking uh, of that was, that was the next, or one of the next boy band books. That was um, the hot mess and the heartthrob. Yeah, yeah. She was a single mom, also slightly grumpy. You know, I you tend to be like, right, <laughs> single mom to <laughs> three kids. I tend to be really forgiving and not take it personally when people are like, eh, I didn't like that heroine or I didn't like that character. That book, like that book sucked. I'm like, okay, that's fine. That book just wasn't for you. But oh man, when I saw people criticize Ingrid from the <laughs> hot mess and the heartthrob and call her a bad mother, I was like, you're banned. <laughs> Oh you can't God. read my books anymore. Let's not shame mothers. I please. really Let's not wish shame you mothers. could block readers sometimes. Like or... I did on Facebook, one or two. I'm like, her children need some discipline. And I was like, I'm sorry, no, no mother needs to read that in these comments. No. You're gone. Oh, <laughs> no shaming mothers. That apparently was my line. I was like, I don't care if you tell me you hated my heroes and you wish they would catch on fire, like whatever. Yeah. But the minute you come for a single mom, I'm like, oh no, you yeah. didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's happened to me too. Yep. Interesting, so go on. So Geek Heart, and that was, yep. um, that book was, was that kind of the turning point book for you? Um, not, so I released Charming as Puck in February of 2019, Flirting with the Frenemy, which is sort of the prequel to the boy band series in March and then America's Geek Heart in April of that year. And that, that was the three month time span that completely changed my life. Yeah. Um, Charming as Puck hit like number 10, Flirting with the Frenemy hit like number eight, America's Geek Heart hit number five in the store. Okay. And just, I, <laughs> I spent a lot of time crying tears of joy and going, yeah. what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that three month time span, that whole three month time span was just life changing. And it was, it was watching my career go to a level that I never thought I would see 
Like all I wanted to do was replace my salary that I used to make as an engineer before I started writing. Is that and what you were? I was. I, I went no to college idea. to be a computer engineer and oh then I married God. the military. <laughs> wow. So I worked as a systems engineer for a year at oh 3M right out of college and then my husband commissioned into the Air Force and that's what we've done the last 20 years is followed his career and moved around. So Wow. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. So logic is big in my world. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I'll trip myself up. I'll be like, but is this character actually properly motivated? Would this character actually do that? Is this logical? Like it's mm. still, I still feel it in the back of my brain asking those questions for me. Um, so another thing she says is, do you find it more difficult to write in a pre-established world you created where the expectations are already high <laughs> or <laughs> did you, in case you didn't know, the expectations are already high. Oh my God. Start fresh with a new concept. New concept is so much easier. Can I tell you about like my paralysis around writing Cooper Rock's book? <laughs> Cooper Rock first appeared in Flirting with a Frenemy over three years ago, yeah. and readers have been asking for him ever since, and he's just hiding in my head. And I think it's me shoving him in a box, because I'm like, oh my god, no matter what I do, I'm going to disappoint somebody. No matter what I do, I'm going to disappoint somebody. And then you have the people who are, well, actually, Cooper in my reader group is called He Who Shall Not Be Named. <laughs> They're hoping... <laughs> I love this. I love this so, so much. My readers are hoping that by not naming him and pretending like he doesn't exist, yeah. he will get offended because he is a showboat yeah. and he will be like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I love them so much. I love my readers so much. Well, let's see if that um, works, guys. <laughs> yeah, but no, there's, there is, there's a ton of pressure when it comes to characters in a pre-established series. Like I think back to Beauty and the Beefcake, which was the third book in my uh, hockey series. And it, I, it took me a little bit to write Aries's book, the hero in Beauty and the Beefcake, because the expectations were so, so high, but the expectations being so high in 2018 are a lot different than the expectations being high in 2022. <laughs> I mean, like when I, when I released Aries's book, I didn't hit the top 100. Um, and now, now my books regularly hit the top 10, which is amazing and yeah. blows me away every time. Um, but smaller audience, smaller expectations, like less established world, smaller expectations. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I will, um, I actually halfway wrote The Last Eligible Billionaire just to give myself a palate cleanser and get out of the worlds that I had been in yeah. and to let myself loose again. Because when there are expectations, it feels a little bit like being shoved in a box. Then when you have a new world, you're like, I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> and you <So>. did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you created another world. You created and it, another It worked. <laughs> oh. Well, so is there going to be a Hyacinth book? Mm. Oh, Begonia's <laughs> sister. I don't think so. I think that Hyacinth has her happily ever after. I think she's okay. legitimately happy, and I think she's married to a good guy. Okay. I do. I haven't um, gotten farther enough. I just, I just like. No, that's okay. Okay, well, that's there's, okay. A, a, there's a Begonia and a Hyacinth. Surely there's going yes. to be a Hyacinth book. Come on. <laughs> I told my editor, I was like, I'm writing a standalone, and she said, I don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh. <laughs> and I was like, I seed it in a couple things so that if I want to write more billionaire books, I can. And she said, yeah. that sounds more like you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you are. You're very shrewd. But I also, I mean, it, it would just be, I mean, to me, it would be so relaxing to just write a standalone <laughs> and not worry about mm -hmm. what happens later. Um, uh, because like for me, like my standalones just haven't done very well at all. And Interesting. I think it would be, and, and, but that's also before, like, I haven't mm -hmm. written a standalone since Bossy Christmas and like that kind of changed mm -hmm. things for me. And Bossy so Christmas kind of, was such a good book. I loved that. You know, I loved, I loved it so much. But, um, but uh, I'm kind of dying to write a standalone mm -hmm. as a palate cleanser. And it would be yeah. great if it, uh, if it took off <laughs> <It's>... like, <laughs> where you could really enjoy the palate cleanser, but also make a shit ton of money. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and find a new audience, right? Because that's the other thing yes. is that with standalones oh. that you bring in a new audience and then they read your yeah. entire backlist and all right. the series. Yes. So. I have some friends that swear by standalones and series together because it's exactly that. Like people yeah. look at a five or six book series and they're like, oh, that's a big commitment. But if yeah. they've got a standalone, they're like, oh, I can read one book. Let's and then you can trick them. Book. You trick them and it's like, ah, <laughs> there's going to be three more. But, but the second book syndrome, I think the second book syndrome is just as bad as the Cooper Rock syndrome, which is what I will forever call that fan anticipated hero who is so anticipated that you yeah. almost can't breathe for thinking about the people that you're afraid you'll disappoint when you eventually do it. And it's like, I know that I can write the book. I know that I'm a good writer. I know I can pull this off. I know that I understand what my readers expect. So this is yeah. just writer insecurity talking. This is not like, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. all my talent is gone. <laughs> I forgot how to write a book. <laughs> I do say that on occasion, but as my editor reminds me, I've said that enough, but I also know that if I just sit down, type out one word oh, and yeah. then a sentence and then a paragraph, it comes back. Yeah, it exactly. Comes back. No, I think that at the beginning of every single right? Book, it's like, oh my God, I forgot. And it's, and it's also usually it's only been like two weeks since the last time I wrote a book. So. <laughs> uh. Here I am. I'm like, oh, I finished a book on December 31st and oh. I don't know when I'm going to finish the next one because I'm moving, but I prepped for this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm legitimately where I knew that I would be after having moved so many times and understanding just the way my brain works. I'm like, come August or September, I'm going to be like, please give me a piece of paper. I have 17 ideas I need to write down and I'm yeah. going to write all of these books right now, please. Thank you. Well, so, but, so you say you're a morning writer. Do you have like yes. on a writing day, like, what does that look like? You. Um, on a good writing day, I will get up around five o'clock in the morning, Ugh. sit down with my tea by about 5.15 or 5.30 and hammer out like one or 2,000 words. And then my oh. kids will be up. So I'll talk to them some, help get them on the bus um, and then get back to the writing. And if I need to write a few more words, I'll write another few words and then I'll do whatever else I need to do. Like I will have admin meetings or I'll answer emails. I actually don't answer emails. That's just like the general, like do admin stuff, yeah. code word, right? <laughs> like yeah. check the ads and see how they're performing and just do yeah. business stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And then on you a really do, good day, I'll be like- You do all that while the kids are at school. Yep. yep. And on a really good day, I'll be like, 
good job, Pippa, you get a reward. And then I'll go watch like two episodes of Mrs. Maisel and be totally happy because Ugh. I don't refill the well enough. And I've been making yeah. a very conscious effort to try to, reading is hard um, because it feels like a job. Same but here, watching, that's why I don't read enough. It feels watching like TV, yeah, it is. And so watching TV, watching movies, listening to podcasts, like that feels less like work, but it's still inspiring. Like my PA turned me onto a podcast called Normal Gossip, and it's literally people talking about gossip and then telling a really juicy story about strangers. Oh my God. I'm like, thank you for the inspiration. <laughs> that's, that's just like an so, all-you-can-eat buffet for writers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was like, why are there only eight episodes? I need 75, please. Oh <laughs> Give me more gossip. I was like, ooh. I am a terrible gossip. I did not know this about myself. You know, you like sit down at dinner and you're like, guys, guess what I heard about strangers today? Yeah. <laughs> the family's like, we don't mm -hmm. care. Yeah. That's so funny because you would think that for gossip to be gossip and really matter that you would know the people that you're talking about, right? but it's also fascinating. Well, and sometimes yeah. it's so, super relatable and you're like, yeah. oh, yep. Yeah, well, I guess that's what reality TV is, though, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't watch reality TV, but that's... I don't have time to. <laughs> yeah. But it lights up your gossip centers. And I'm like, I'm convinced your gossip center and your, like, storytelling and story yeah. reading centers, yeah. I'm convinced they're linked. Yeah. Yeah. Smarter yeah. people than me have done studies. <laughs> yeah. The same parts of your brain light up when scientists probe them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, I love these questions from Michelle Sutton. So is there a genre okay. or subgenre that you haven't written yet, but would like to write someday? I always threaten to write paranormal romance. And I say mm. I threaten to write because I don't know that I would be very good at it, but yeah. I also think it would be amazing. So and fun. What, so like, um, what kind of characters? Oh, like my initial, like long time in my head, paranormal romance is like, what if ninjas were real and they were actually gods? Oh my god. <laughs> like, I don't go the vampire route. I'm like, I would read that. What if ninjas and pirates were gods? That. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, traditional publishers would not touch this. Oh, but I'm like, mm, pirates I and mean, ninjas ninja at war. Romance, with that, why is that not a subgenre? <laughs> right? I will occasionally scratch my itch by letting Zeus Berger, who is uh, my hero in the pilot and puck up, yeah. uh, by letting him pretend to be an author and write things. Oh. Like a couple of years ago for April Fool's Day, um, he sent a newsletter announcing that I was going to write a book called Derriere. <laughs> and like the heir to a dairy farm. Stop <laughs> like it. I have a Derriere <laughs> joke in Good Vibrations. That's Yay! share a brain that's amazing <laughs> but you you just use your brain a lot better than than i do i like oh my god and do you know when people write pippa on their phone oftentimes it'll correct to poops which is poops. like the most on-brand thing ever no like honestly, yeah pooper grant yeah yeah and like if you just one letter off on grant and you've got poops grand and that <laughs> oh my <laughs> so god like, so i pinged my my assistant who does my graphics and i was like can you get me a cover her book called Derriere. And then people got so upset because it was April Fool's Day and I pulled a prank. I just said I don't do pranks. I legitimately yeah, I pranked my entire newsletter one. list. <laughs> That's a really stellar prank. 
And they nobody got the joke about derriere, like your butt. Oh. <laughs> so like so butt. Zeus, my character, came in and wrote it, and it was awful. And he wrote a ninja story for me, too, one time in my newsletter. And he's just, he is a goofball. Like, he is real. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's genius. I yeah, love that. So I would do paranormal romance. <laughs> well, now you have to. Right? Um, okay. This is also wonderful. If you had a personal master baker of your own, what would you have him bake for you? Calorie-free donuts. Oh my God, is that a thing? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> oh my God, it would change every day. So my latest sweets obsession are kitchen sink cookies from Panera, but they have like oh. 800 calories each in them oh. and I have no self-control, so I'm not allowed oh to have God. them. But if I could have like an itty bitty tiny kitchen sink cookie, and if I could have a grown up, please like distribute them to me one by one. <laughs> like one of those, you know, for pets, they have those yes. things where you have to. <laughs> yes. We need that. Like so much time yeah. has to go by. Yeah. <laughs> I will sometimes ask my husband, I'll be like, I bought myself a bag of candy. Can you just hold it and then only give me like three pieces when we watch a movie or a TV show? And he's like, yes. <laughs> Thank you for being the adult in our relationship. I appreciate it. That's a, that's a good relationship right there. That's yeah. actually, that almost makes me want to be in a relationship again. <laughs> Just to have someone <laughs> dole out candy to me or baked yeah. goods. <laughs> oh, and since we're moving, he keeps finding all the places that he's hidden extra candy that he's picked up for me. So I have an entire box of Lindor truffles sitting on my desk right now Aww. because he was like oh I found these for you <laughs> well and you're not stuffing your face with them so that just shows how well not much... at the moment because we're talking but That's I can't true. I make and no promises okay. <laughs> make no we'll promises like, I gotta go <laughs> oh uh, yeah but some some stuffed donuts that would be delicious or just any donuts. Well, now you. Yes, it's not baking, but you have. Now I want a donut. Yeah, you you have enough money now that you can in, you can like pay someone to invent a <laughs> calorie free donut. So why not do that? For the be like, ones? I would like to fund some research at a university, please. <laughs> they're gonna be like, Hey, Pippa, air fryers exist. If you were single. This is a great question. If you were single, <gasps> which one of your book boyfriends would you most wish was real and want to date? Probably Beck, because uh -huh. he's my happiest, most normal, most well-adjusted, and he eats so much that I could be like, do you want to share a cheese ball tonight? And he'd be like, yeah, yes. that sounds great. And then he would eat most of it, and I would not feel like I had to keep up. And I would still get some cheese ball without eating the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, loved how much he loved food and I wish I had his metabolism, but yeah, it's okay. It's okay. If wishes were horses, we we're would all okay. be eating steak. Yeah. 10 <laughs> points if you know what that's from. <laughs> I don't know what it's from, but I love it. <laughs> it's from um, Firefly was this show that was oh, on in the oh, early I know the show. 
that's like that's one of my bucket list series that I have to I was like really busy writing something yeah. in Hollywood when that was last <laughs> but not Firefly I started, it. but not Firefly no I never wrote for TV but um people are so obsessed with that show so I gotta I know that's one of the ones where I have show. to like have so much time in order yeah. to watch the whole thing well the good news is there's only like eight or ten episodes okay so Monica Barbosa says that you rock and her question mm -hmm. is that was your question. You rock. Um, which, of your, <laughs> which of your books or series would you like to see as a TV show? I'm going of. to cheat and say the Copper Valley series, which would encompass the Bro Code series, the Thruster series, and the Fireball series. <laughs> totally Once cheating. Again, genius. <laughs> it's I like think it would be knew. great. It could be like, yeah. There's like so many characters. It could just be like a whole Netflix or Amazon Prime series. It's like Game of Thrones, but with. Yeah. Yeah. With nobody dying. Yeah. People peeing their <laughs> pants laughing instead of dying. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't no, but I would one? like, it would give me so much joy to see the Burger Twins yeah. on like come to life because they're like in the books, they're six foot nine, 350 pound hockey players. Yeah. Number one, that's never going to happen. They would go through the boards. Well, they would not. When they slam somebody into the boards, they would just go through them. Like, because physics. I used to be an engineer. I know these things. <laughs> but, oh, that would be fun. That would be fun. And all the glitter bombs. Like, and I would just love to see bombs. the glitter bombs. I wonder if actors and actresses can put writers in their contracts where they're like, if I can't get the glitter out, you owe me an extra $5,000. <laughs> yeah, no, but what it would be is they would just do CGI glitter or something like that, probably. Oh, nobody so would, I would to deal with. So I would not get to go on set and see an actual glitter bomb go off. Unlikely, Darn which it. is why we need to start our Starbucks glitter bomb business. <laughs> to make this happen um yes so jody martin would just like to mm -hmm. say how awesome you are and Aww. also um she says i loved everything about the last eligible billionaire the audio Yay. with teddy hamilton and virginia rose was hilarious <laughs> question obviously writing rom-coms is your thing so within that what is your favorite trope to write and why enemies to lovers yeah enemies to lovers fake relationship like those, those are my, oh, I love fake relationship it's, and I love enemies to lovers. Too. Yeah. 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 Combining enemies to lovers and fake relationship is like, oh, it'd be because there's so much natural conflict and it yeah. lends itself so easily to so much banter and the idea of getting caught. I struggle with fake relationships when I'm writing them because I'm like, I'm either very well adjusted mentally or I'm totally <laughs> off. I don't know, but I'm like, why do you have to fake it? No. Yeah. No, like, just tell them, fuck you. This is what I want to do. Yep. <laughs> but I love it. But I love it in books. I love it so much. Um, and just, yeah, the opposites, the enemies to lovers, the banter, the friction. Mm -hmm. Watching that realization where they're like, oh, I don't hate you. I think I like you. Oh, and that is the very worst thing that could happen to me right now. Like that, yep. oh, I just love that. It gives me joy. Yeah. If I could write enemies to lovers fake relationship every time I would. But I've done fake relationship with Grumpy Sunshine a lot. And I do like Grumpy Sunshine. But I yeah. feel like I need to do something different. Because I'm stuck on this idea of doing a grumpy heroine and making her lovable as a grumpy heroine. Um, I will figure this out one day. <laughs> make it work. But also, I feel like... I, 
I don't know that anyone would necessarily complain if you just mm -hmm. kind of alternated between enemies to lovers, fake relationship and grumpy sunshine, fake right? relationship back and forth. Yeah. That he would complain. You know, when I was first writing, I remember people saying like, every book gets harder to write because you've done it. Right. And now I'm like, oh, well, I've done that trope. I've done that twist. I've done this. What else is new? And that's when I, that's when I know it's time for me to pause and go read a lot of books or watch yeah. a lot of TV or watch a lot of movies and just take a break and go on walks and just let my brain percolate on what we've seen because I know the ideas are in there or floating out in the ether for me to absorb somehow. Yeah. So. Well, but also I think that as always, I think as authors, we're probably harder on ourselves than we need to be when we're trying to do something different to top the last thing or be different from the last thing. Because when you think mm -hmm. about it, the readers will keep reading stuff from different authors that's kind of yes. the same trope over and over again. So why yes. wouldn't they read the same thing from right? the same author? Or if they do, yeah. why should they complain about it? That's what I Absolutely. Absolutely. I would read fake relationship enemies to lovers all day. And you know what yeah. I love to read and watch, but I cannot write myself. And that is the morally gray character. Like, oh, yeah. um, like White Collar. Did you ever watch White Collar? I did. And oh my god it's did you watch the um did you watch the that bill pullman show that that guy from white collar who's gorgeous and turns out to be gay matt bomer and matt bomer <laughs> um <laughs> which the guy who in? played a stripper who's gorgeous and turned out to be gay. <laughs> and he also has a name i just don't care what it is because, <laughs> <laughs> um he was, no, there's a show called uh, The Sinner. Have you seen that series? Mm -mm, I haven't um, so, seen it. So the one with Matt Bomer is on Netflix now. But um, awesome. yeah, that was well, okay. I mean, that's a be that's so beyond a uh, a gray character. So I don't even know. Now I'm actually rambling. <laughs> but that's no, okay. I, I guess what I was gonna say was that the gray yeah. characters you kind of it's very hard to do that in romance. You kind of pretty much it all is. the characters in like contemporary American fi contemporary fiction or thrillers mm -hmm. are gay. I'm not gay, yes. they're gray. <laughs> gray. I Matt Bomer and hummus on the brain now. <laughs> I would watch Matt Bomer eat hummus. <laughs> oh my God, I could do that all day. It's raining Matt Bomer eating hummus. <laughs> Oh no, God. I haven't seen that one. We've been um, we've been working on finishing up the last season of Lucifer, which is another se oh. show that I just adore. Yeah. Um, like as far as I always feel weird recommending Lucifer to people because I I never thought it was a great police procedural, but I thought it was so fabulous for character development yeah. and character arc, and it's just oh, I love it. I and love it so much. I love it so much. Is so hot. I mean, but like in a yes. you know, in an obvious way, but he's just uh, he's hot. I know. I mean, I'm like, if I ever wrote a devil, it would have to like he would have to be British. <laughs> and yeah, wear right? suits. Of course. <laughs> oh my god. And Shane East could narrate him. Exactly. <laughs> and he could be funny. Um, right? So from Karen Hoffman, who says hi, and you gave her hi, a hug Karen. in Philly. I remember, um, yeah. Yeah. So she says, I would love to ask Peppa, what is her advice on writing the perfect blurb? You write such oh. fantastic blurbs, Peppa. <laughs> they all follow Use the tropes. Same, 
they they all follow the same format for all of your series, right? A lot of them do. So yeah. I, I'm actually going to read an example for people. So this is for, well, people can just guess what it's for. <laughs> He's a billionaire heir, a grump supreme, hater of people, bigger hater of peopling with people, and my new fake boyfriend. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Emotionally unavailable doesn't even begin to describe Hayes Rutherford. He's cold, he's distant, he has more defenses than a nuclear missile silo. That's hard to say. It, and, yeah. <laughs> and he's the ultimate catch of the century, at least according to his bank statement. My job's simple. Keep Hayes' matchmaking relatives and all interested ladies away from the cranky, grumpy, walled-up air. That's walled off air not waldorf air um to my favorite <laughs> movie he, he's a he's the heir to a waldorf salad empire um <laughs> my favorite movie empire by pretending to be his one true love and in return he won't ruin my life over a teensy tiny little misunderstanding but the more i sneak past his walls and fences the more i realize that while we might be from different worlds we have more in common than either of us expected the man under all the glitz, glamour, and dollar signs could be the real love of my life. But you know what they say about fake dating a billionaire. It's all fun and games until the scandals start. The last eligible billionaire is a swoony, laugh-out-loud romance featuring a botched wax job, a woman in over her head, a man in over his heart, and the sweetest, misguided dog to ever play matchmaker. Or at least make sure these two anti-lovebirds never have clothes when they get out of the shower. <laughs> it stands alone and comes complete with grand romantic gestures. Oh, fantastic. That was an excellent reading. <laughs> I love Thanks. That. Thanks. <laughs> you can sort of just hear the music that would go under it. Yes. Um, oh, I don't so, know that, that I have structure. advice on blurbs. Oh, the yeah, the you, structure is Honestly, I get a lot of help from my assistants when I'm you writing do. the blurbs. I'll send them 500 words and when they'll be like, the Pippa. Blurb? At what point do you write the blurb? Um, if it's going to be a good book, I write the blurb before I start writing the book. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm not as focused on what the real conflict is between the characters, yeah. I will write the blurb later in the process. Okay. And those are harder. Like I can, I can literally tell sometimes I'll be like, well, this one's going to be an easy sell and this one people are not going to want because they're not going to understand what it's about. <laughs> but I, you know, I, a lot of times blurbs will come to me in the shower, which is Thank not necessarily so replicable. <laughs> right. How do you write a blurb? Well, you start by taking a shower. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know if that will work for people. They'll be like, what are you smoking? No, actually Connor and I talk about shower space a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. And then like, how do you get your into shower just, space when you're not literally in the shower? Your brain just wanders. I yeah. can tell you how to get into shower space when you're not in the shower. I can give you a tip uh, that I heard from mean? a woman named Kelly L. Stone. I used to know her a long time ago when I was living um, on the Florida coast. And I would go to Alabama for writer workshops and she was in one of the RWA chapters. And she's a psychologist who wrote a book about bridging the connection between your subconscious and your conscious mind okay. by getting to that point. Like she would talk about laying on the couch with your hand in the air, like you're gonna take a nap, but you have to hold your hand in the air because oh. what you're doing is if you actually fall asleep, like your hand's gonna fall down and smack you in the face, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of times like you just, 
tuck in those, and this works really well for me, and I don't know if it works for everybody, um, just the idea that like letting your subconscious brain noodle out what's wrong and then tap into it by getting close to that, like that zone out space. Cause that's what you're doing in the shower, right? You're zoning yes. out or like you wake up in the middle of the night with a brilliant plot idea. It's yep. because like your brain, like your frontal brain and your subconscious brain are like talking together or something. Yeah. She describes it so much better because she's a psychologist. We're just, I'm just a recovering engineer who likes to write funny books. <laughs> That's my geek moment for the day. <laughs> oh my God, I love your sounds. <laughs> the entire audience. Yay. Um, yeah, I love that. I'm going to try that. Like, don't hit yourself in the face. I take no responsibility if you hit yourself in the face. You're like, assuming that I don't do things like stupid shit like that all the time. <laughs> like, <sighs> Oh, but the perfect blurb, like yeah. legit, I'd be like, start with tropes. Like yeah. you want to talk about the most appealing thing. You don't have mm -hmm. to tell the whole story in the blurb. You have to tell people why they want to read the book. Yeah. So like, why do people want to read The Last Eligible Billionaire? Well, it's because it's a very grumpy billionaire who mm -hmm. reluctantly takes the fake girlfriend. So what's the most fun way to tell people that it's about a grumpy billionaire who takes a fake girlfriend that he catches waxing her bikini line in his rental house well in his private vacation house that someone has rented out yeah. <laughs> from underneath him yeah and you just hint at it yeah yeah sometimes people like uh, interesting thing i've seen people say i really wish authors would just say what the book is about instead of being all cutesy about it and i can i can relate <laughs> to that but then other people are like I don't want to know the whole story in the blurb. If I yeah. want to know the whole story, I'm going to read the whole book. And so there's yeah. always going to be somebody who thinks you do your blurbs wrong. The yeah. real test is if it sells the book or not. Mm -hmm. So, and sometimes it's not the blurb that sells it. It's people talking about it. And okay. <laughs> that's hard to track. So oh, just do your best to make sure you can be like, well, this is a lighthearted, funny romance. Um, and I guess it's just lots of practice at this point. And I still get it wrong so often. My assistants are like, oh, Pippa, so. no. <laughs> Let me take a hack at that. This is too long. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's They're really amazing. hard to write that kind of, because I don't, I don't really write that kind of blurb so much anymore. I guess the ones that I did with Connor are more blurby, but I, my stuff tends to just be taken from the book, except that I'll write it mm -hmm. before I actually start writing the book. So I love to like pull out. Yeah, I love to pull out a favorite line from the book yeah. and put it at which, the very, very top of the blurb. Yeah, which you kind of, you did, because I remember when I was listening to the audiobook of mm -hmm. there, I was like, oh, I oh, yeah. that line. Yes, the yeah. hater of people, bigger hater of peopling with people. That was yeah. one of those things that just came out as I was pantsing and I giggled and patted myself on the back. Yeah. I sent a note to my assistants and I was like, we're going to need this on a t-shirt, please. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, the t-shirt. I hate peopling it's with just, people. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's a, that's also a coffee mug. That's a good coffee yes, mug. Yes, definitely. Um, definitely. But another thing is like, and I don't know if all authors know this, you really only have to think about it on Amazon, I'm guessing, but like you have like the keywords. Yes. Right? In the mm -hmm. blurb. Yep. Yeah, yep. Get those tropes in. Yeah. get those keywords in. I, um, no, but it's so it just also it just looks good because you start with mm -hmm. some words, some like key, key terms in bold. Mm -hmm. And then yep. you have a little bit of 
description and then you have mm-hmm. the italicized stuff and they all end yeah. with it stands alone and comes with I think blah, that's blah, blah, right? so important to tell people like you are not getting a cliffhanger you will finish the book yeah. I promise but yeah some people don't think it stands alone if like there's another book about the next couple but I I think it stands alone so. I do too I mean I do not lose story. sleep over that yeah mm-hmm. me neither um yeah it's different because they're crossover characters yes in those yes books. it's not the same as not yes exactly and when did you start so at the beginning this is a question from yours truly when did you start with the aka like when you introduce a hero and a heroine in a book yeah in the first couple of chapters like for instance i would like to read this one from the hot mess and the heartthrob mm-hmm. ingrid scott aka a single mom whose tombstone will one day read she would have had her life together if she'd had just one more day no really <laughs> probably not but her intentions were good and she only wanted to stab people occasionally mostly because she was too tired to want to stab them all the time (laughs) i read that and i was like why can't i be that funny god damn it (laughs) that describes my life (laughs) um i started doing it with mr mccotty which was my first pippa grant book yeah so that's Um, that's that was the first time. Thing. That's great. Yeah, it's a, it is. It's a total Pippa Grant thing. Um, it was the first time I had written in first person present. All of my Jamie Farrell books were third person past tense. Mm-hmm. So um, I, oh my gosh, when I let go of all of the expectations, because yeah. I kept writing like I was trying to query New York when I was writing my Jamie Farrell books. I was writing by this standard that I thought I had to hold myself to. And so when I started the Pippa Grant books, I was like, you know what? Before I knew any better, I liked to write in first person. So I'm going to write in first person. And the story just flowed. And so I realized I needed to identify who was speaking. And I was actually really, really angry (laughs) when I wrote Mr. McCotty. So I I can't tell you all of the reasons that I made all of the decisions I did with that book. But I can tell you a lot of them. Um, I wrote it during a time when the top 100 books on Amazon were almost exclusively KU titles Mm -hmm. that would have one book at the beginning and then nine more books following it. And it was a violation of terms of service of Amazon basically to do the stuffing the way they were. And it was ghostwriter mills. Mm -hmm. Ghostwriter mills were writing the books. And I think ghostwriting is a valid career path for Mm -hmm. a lot of people, Mm -hmm. but I I don't think these were well-paid ghostwriters and we could go on that for a long time, but I was so angry because I don't like to say books are bad. I really don't. I think that there is a book for every reader and there is a reader for every book, but I would sample these books and I would be like, these are genuinely like, I don't understand why anybody is reading these. And so I tried to look for why people would be reading them because it was not my cup of tea and I did not understand why they were sitting so high in the charts. And I was just angry because they put so much care and concern and work into my craft and into telling the best story I could. And I was like, and is this really what readers want to just like have this book open with the hero talking about how awesome he is and how his sweating muscles are glistening in, in, in the gym? And I like, that's great, but he sounds like an arrogant jerk. <laughs> and I didn't understand, you know, like this could go back to the whole like we were later in life to romance readers. Like I just yeah. might not have that that brain cell that makes it click for me why that's attractive. But to me, it, it wasn't attractive. And I was just so frustrated. And so everything about Mr. McCotty, I was like, fine, 
I'll write a brother's best friend, billionaire boss, enemies to lovers book. Fine, fine. And I, I legit, like I was pounding on my keyboard and I was like, and it just got funnier and funnier and more outrageous the more I typed. And I was like, she should have a hockey playing best brothers because, because hockey romance is hot too. We'll just throw in a hockey brother. Why make it one, make it two, make them huge. <laughs> I was like unhinged. <laughs> But I let go of all of those expectations. Like I had nothing left to lose at that point. And I did, I just let go of all expectations. And I was like, I'm going to be the, I'm going to write the funniest, raunchiest, wrongest brother's best friend, billionaires, boss, enemies to lovers romance that I have ever seen in my whole entire life. And that's, that's what I did. So that's where it started with the description of the characters. Cause I was like, yeah, that's who he is. That's who she is. (laughs) It's just all like, Blew out of my fingertips. That's amazing. That was yeah, it's fun times. My kids um, were like, there's something wrong with mom. <laughs> well, so what do your younger children think you do? They know. They know they I write romance novels. Okay. They do. My kids have been known to walk up to their teachers and ask if they read adult books. <laughs> I was in an Uber with my youngest who's in third grade, um, right before spring break. And she's like, do you know who Pippa Grant is? Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, shh, <laughs> we're in an Uber. We don't need to do this in an Uber. Oh, but my God. husband does it. My he husband does. carries around my business cards. I gave away my last business card sometime oh, in the God. last two weeks. And we were driving somewhere just the other day. And I was like, oh, when we get home, can you please remind me? I need to refill my business card holder. And he like, he's driving and he's shifting. And I was like, what are you doing? You're driving. Quit this, quit this. He pulled out a stack of business cards out of his back pocket. And I was like, oh. What? <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah, so they they learned from him. He he oh uh he's been God. an interesting situation. Actually, I didn't link my two pen names at first when yeah. I started writing as Pippa because yeah. he had just gone into a squadron squadron command position and he had very impressionable lieutenants underneath him and I was like I do not want your lieutenants talking about Mr. McCotty and he was like I do not want my lieutenants talking about Mr. McCotty. So we oh. um we kept the pen name separate for a while because everybody knew at that point, like he was very open and told people that I was writing as Jamie Farrell too. So it was not a secret that I was okay. writing books and they could have looked me up. Um, so we did. So we kept them separate um, for a couple of years, but he does, he carries around my business cards. My kids try to sell my books. Oh my gosh. Oh. They're so funny. It's so sweet. Well, it's they're, like they're doing so a proud. great job. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They get a raise. <laughs> Screw TikTok. You just got your family out there handing out business cards. It's just an old fashioned family business. (laughs) It's just on top of the Amazon charts nowadays. Yep. Uh. But you know, it's really interesting for me writing romance novels is the last thing I ever thought I would do with my life. And I love it. I'm so glad to be writing romance novels. But when I talk to my kids, I'm like, I can't tell them not to use words because I literally work in words. Yeah. So we talk a lot we talk a lot more about when it's appropriate to use words <laughs> rather than like calling anything a bad word. Um, Good. Yeah, my nine-year-old, she <laughs> she dropped a damn on me the other day and I went, what? <laughs> I was like, well, you used it appropriately. It was like, appropriate, yeah. That was totally a damn moment, okay. <laughs> I was like, you do remember that you can't say that when you go stay with your friends tonight, right? She was like, yes, mom, I remember. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're good. 
So let's talk about animals because they figure into yes. most of your books quite significantly, whether they're pet they do. or neighborhood wildlife. Do you, I know you have a sweet kitty cat. Do you have a lot of wildlife around your house? Um, not yet, but <laughs> when will. we move, we <laughs> will. We actually, we already have our house out in oh. the mountains and we have ring cameras set up because we've been, oh. uh, my husband and I, we've been going back and forth for the past few months because we wanted the kids, like we're hitting that like graduating middle school, graduating elementary school point. And so we wanted the kids to be able to finish out the school year with their friends. Plus they're gonna have to move, switch schools anyway in yeah. the fall. So we've been going back and forth, but we've got ring cameras set up all around the house and we've seen bears wow. <laughs> on our driveway. Wow. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Oh yeah, <laughs> We've got, um, we have a black fox in our yard, which I think is the coolest thing ever. I didn't even know black foxes were a thing. I have seen a black fox, yeah. Yeah, they, we've got the black fox beautiful. and he like sometimes hangs around with our red fox, but the black oh fox has God. just a, like a white tip on his tail. It is so neat. So we've caught him on camera a few times, seen him in person a few times, wow. lots of deer. Yeah, lots of birds. Oh, they're not shy? Um, I haven't gone up and petted them. And... <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I totally would try, but don't do that. Yeah, I probably won't be doing that. Um, but no, they they come into the yard and just eat the grass. Yeah, play around, have fun. The bear has only been spotted at night, and I'm okay with this. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. Can we pause for two seconds? Yes, I actually I have, have to pee. So let's let's yes. do this. Yes. Awesome. I am back. Are Hi, you here? I'm back too. Hi. Hi. Sorry if you were listening in on all of my family it's, stuff. My kids I are just, like, we are home. I came back and I heard something about risotto sort of being like macaroni and cheese, which I was like, <laughs> that is the most mom thing I have ever heard. <laughs> if you actually, if, if they actually buy that, then you are mom of the year. <laughs> we have we have so much in our freezer that I would really like to use before yeah. we move. And I actually like, I'm gone in three weeks. Three weeks and I am out of here and then oh, they'll follow in another week because we're going to Scotland for rare. And so everything's just super complicated with the timing. Yeah. But I'm like, no matter what, I would like to throw out and give away as little food from the freezer as possible. So I'm like, this came out of the freezer. We're going to eat it over a box of mac and cheese that we can easily like just pack in a box and unpack in a month. <laughs> You're winning at life. I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> It's book fair week at school. So I did not see any books. I saw the very personality expressive bookmarks instead. <laughs> personality expressive. <laughs> like my Go daughter's on. like, look, mom, look, mom, this one says the thing I don't like about no is that I don't get what I want. She goes, this is me. <laughs> <laughs> this is me. That's a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that that is you. <laughs> oh my God. So cute. Oh, they're entertaining. That's for sure. I got yelled at because the door was locked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to I... use the garage code to get in? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, um... We were okay, ringing so... and ringing and ringing it. 
Anyway. <laughs> Mom, let us into our house. Did you move? Did you move in Octavia? Right? Um, <laughs> oh. Now, don't, don't anybody criticize Pippa for doing a maybe not great mom thing, according to some people. But I mean, come on. No, I They're fine. The oh. They're yep, alive. They they're going to eat soon. It's fine. They practiced. They practiced <laughs> problem solving. <laughs> exactly. That was a life, a life lesson. I out. mean, I would have known they were home had they banged on my window in my office, which would have been their next step. <laughs> like, let us in. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> okay. So what, let's just do one more random thing. I would love to know, like, yeah. what is your dream vacation or just like your ideal day uh, off? What do you do? Oh my gosh. So in that headspace. I am a bit of a weirdo, um, which you knew what? at this point, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've realized lately that I struggle with vacations partially because if I have to plan it, I feel like I've already experienced it before uh, I go on vacation. I Does this that. make sense? I get that because I plan everything to the second. Yeah. 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 And so, first. Yeah. so there's a, there's a part of me and I know it's personality based. I do like the Clifton strengths training with yeah. Becca Syme and I, I, I love it. I have high, <laughs> yeah, I know, you know, <laughs> what are you? Um, I am responsibility, shocking, wow. harmony, adaptability, relator, restorative are my top five. But I know that futuristic oh. is my number seven. And that often means that like, I will think about the future, but then when the future actually actualizes, I feel like I've already been there. So I don't always enjoy it in the moment. And I like, we're going to rare in Scotland in a few weeks. And my husband kept saying, well, you know, we're taking the whole family. Um, so the, he and the kids are going to join me after the signing's over. And he's like, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know what the, what is there to do. But then he starts telling me what there is to do. And I'm like, but I don't want to look at it because I want to experience it while we're there. I don't want to pre-experience it. I mm -hmm. want to experience it. Um, but he loves arranging things and putting things in order. So I was like, can you just plan it? And I will do whatever you plan. And he's like, yeah. yeah. Um, it works. We actually went to Morocco <sighs> six years ago, seven years ago. I think six years ago, um, we went to Morocco and he had a work trip and he was like, well, why don't you just fly over? We'll get babysitters for the kids and you fly over and we'll have a vacation after my work stuff is done. And I was like, okay, I'm in. Um, he says, what do you want to do? And I said the same thing. I was like, I have three children who are, or they were like seven and under at that point. Right. I was like, I have three children that I make every decision for every day of the week. As, and you're gone. He was gone for like a month for this work thing before I joined him for two weeks for vacation. I was like, I want to not make decisions. That's what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be there and I want to have someone else tell me what to do so that I don't have to make a single decision. I was like, Just I have put this me on a bus, point me in a direction. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I think that the whole idea that like moms need an adult in their lives occasionally to be like, here you go, sweetie, here's oh your God. dinner. <laughs> it's all cut up into pieces. Like some days you just need that. You know, yeah. I was like, I don't want to make any decisions. And it was the best vacation. He was like, can I ask you what you want to do tomorrow? And I was like, maybe, I don't know. 
That's but everything, yeah. it was like being in a place and discovering it without yeah. like, cause on the internet, you know, like you can literally pull up pictures and do virtual tours and you feel like you're there and you're not smelling the smells and you're not feeling the sun or the temperature in the room or whatever. But yeah. 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 So I, I would absolutely 100% be that person who was like, are my kids taken care of? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Why? Yes. I will sign up to go on this mystery three week tour. Just please don't put me on a cruise ship because I puke. (laughs) Got it. And, and I would go and I would have a fabulous time and I would be like, Oh my goodness. All of that food was really spicy hot and I can't feel my taste buds anymore. (laughs) But this was awesome. But Morocco was so cool. I would go back to oh, Morocco in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. It was amazing. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I would go, go. I think I'd love to go to Australia though. I've always been fascinated partly because it's so far away. Yeah. Um, and now I'm like, oh my gosh, my book's at it number one in Australia for like a month. Yeah. For like a whole month. It was yeah. just like, there it is. <laughs> I was like, I love you, Australia. So I should go to Australia. That would be amazing. You should go to Australia. And they say lots of cool, weird things. And there's crazy yes. animals there just everywhere. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Kangaroo time, right? Yep. <laughs> like pigeons. That would be fun. Oh. Have you been to Australia? I haven't. I was actually, I was invited to go to the rare in Australia mm-hmm. this year, but it was just mm-hmm. too, I haven't traveled since 2017. And so I'm going yeah. to, you know, when my first Start book small. signing. Yeah, I'm starting small with book yeah. bonanza. So. <laughs> I don't know Idiot. if that's small, <laughs> no, but it is a short plane ride. <laughs> uh, kind of. Um, yeah, rare Australia wouldn't have worked because if I go, it's this, it's the mom conundrum, right? If yeah. you go, you want to take your whole family and stay for a month, but it was during the school year. Yeah. And so I would have felt guilty going mm-hmm. and staying myself for a month. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's so much traveling. Mm-hmm. It's like two and a half days just to get there. Yeah. Like and so you want to stay long enough to make it mm-hmm. worthwhile to be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So hopefully someday plan like a whole summer in Australia. That would be fun. Yeah. And you know, well, as long as we like continue to for, like each summer other. Summer for you is winter there. Winter, right? So. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Great, yeah. Actually. That would be fun. Okay. Well, I'll let you feed your children. <laughs> I really appreciate that. We'll you know, they actually, I am, I'm super high responsibility on the, on the Clifton yeah. strength scale. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. I really love teaching them to be responsible for themselves. So I could literally poke my head out the door and be like, yeah, dinner's on your own. Do whatever. Yeah, <laughs> eat yeah. a fruit and vegetable. <laughs> and because they like to eat like that won't work so much with, um, telling them to do the dishes they don't right. have to do the dishes <laughs> as as but they do have to eat based. to live <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah they could survive for months without doing a dish <laughs> they could <laughs> i would be like how many times have you eaten off that dirty dish that's disgusting how are you still alive and they would be like we got daddy's belly of a goat <laughs> goats <gasps> You talked oh. about a goat. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
I've been thinking a lot about Loki the monkey, though, from uh, Beauty and the Beefcake. <laughs> because, oh, he first appeared in Royally Pucked, and that also had to do with the ventriloquist. And they were all sitting at this dinner party, and there's this emotional support monkey named Loki. And all of a sudden, Loki started talking in the middle of the dinner party. And it just, <laughs> yeah. And like the brother of the ventriloquist who is there is like laughing and falling off of his chair and everybody else is like, did the monkey just speak English? But it's like, you know, the ventriloquist throwing her voice. And it was just, ah, oh, man, fun times. I love it when I write scenes like that. They just make me happy. But anyway, thank you so much for having me today. It's been a joy this. to talk to you. It's been amazing. We need to talk so much more often. Um, yes, and we will. <laughs> when you're done Absolutely. going... To Scotland and then driving across <laughs> and moving the country, setting up a whole new life and finishing <sighs> another novel and <laughs> right. But Seems I'm available. Like, I'm yeah. available to talk to you anytime. So awesome! <laughs> I'll be yay! Here. I will ping um, you. I do ping you from time to time. I you do. And I love it, and it's always so <laughs> random too. It's always just the weirdest stuff. It'll be like, I was watching Mrs. Maisel today and I thought about your stand-up comedian characters. It's, uh, it's pretty great. So thank you. I thank you. You're wonderful. This is Connor Kreiss. Maybe you thought you wouldn't be hearing from me this episode. But here I am. Kaylee asked me to introduce a clip from an audiobook that I had absolutely nothing to do with. I don't know why. We shouldn't try to explain Kaylee. She's talented, but inexplicable. But here's a clip from another very talented author named Pippa Grant from chapter 12 of her book, The Last Eligible Billionaire, read by an equally talented narrator named Virginia Rose, who I also have absolutely nothing to do with. tipping the creamer into his coffee when he slips behind me, puts an arm around my waist, and kisses my neck. My nipples leap fully erect, and my vagina asks if it's playtime, and I spill cream on the counter. I could pretend this is popping my post-divorce cherry if I hadn't actually asked him that out loud. Hayes covers my hand with his, guiding the creamer container back to safety. Thank you, Bluebell. Just the way I like it. Wait, I gasp, way more panty and needy than I would prefer to sound in front of his mother. Cinnamon first. I knock over the paprika and the oregano in the small spice rack on the counter in my lunge for the cinnamon. But I pull myself together, unscrew the lid, and sprinkle the right amount of cinnamon into the top of his coffee. Hayes doesn't take cinnamon in his coffee, dear, Giovanna says. He's trying my favorite since I couldn't shut up about it. I say at the exact same time, Hayes replies, Begonia insisted it's delicious, and she's right. Oh my God, we're on a fake relationship wavelength. And he's still pressing his body to my back, one arm still looped around my waist, making me want to suck my stomach in. I asked him to have sex with me, and now he's touching me. I have to talk to Hyacinth, like now. Remember, darling, you promised no tomatoes in those eggs. Hayes murmurs into my hair, loud enough for his mother to think he's whispering sweet nothings, but soft enough for only me to hear exactly what he's saying. I think. Making you happy is my favorite thing in the world, 
I reply louder for our audience. It's a razzle-dazzle line. It's a total razzle-dazzle line. Not long after we turned 21, Hyacinth and I had a weekend of binging as many of our favorite razzle-dazzle films as we could fit into two and a half days and drinking every time a main character said the line. We weren't falling down drunk at the end of the first 10-hour marathon, but we'd gone through more vodka shots than we thought we would. And I have no idea if they still use it, but as of about 10 years ago, they'd used it plenty. If only I didn't have to work today, Hayes replies, and I almost choke on air. That might be the second most common line ever recited in a razzle-dazzle film. At least six scenes have flashed through my head with various actors on various sets. And is that, is that a twinkle in Hayes' eyes? No, I'm imagining it. He reaches for the coffee mug and takes a sip. And if it weren't for the way half his face twitches before he turns and lifts the mug in his mother's direction, I'd swear he was being completely honest when he says, delicious. I'll never drink coffee another way again. Mother, pack your bags. You can stay for brunch, and then you're leaving by two. I'll book your ferry myself. He stalks out of the room like that's that. No room for argument. And I catch myself rolling my eyes. But not before Giovanna catches me too. So he's not your first boyfriend who likes to issue orders, she murmurs. He's a man, I sigh heavily. We have to put up with the ego to get the rest of them. She blinks at me once. And then Giovanna Rutherford laughs. And not just any laugh. This laugh comes with a snort and a fart. I am not kidding. Giovanna Rutherford, Jonas Rutherford's mom, matriarch of the world's most perfect family, billionaire in her own right, just laughed so hard that she farted. This is Mackenzie Cartwright, also known as the official voice of Kaylee Loring's Lady Parts. Multiple Eargasms with Kaylee Loring is produced by Elysian Nightfall Studios and The Audio Flow. To learn more about your host, you can visit www.kayleeloring.com. Thank you for eargasming.